and there's a man probably burns. But I'm a little bit um, yeah, I'm a little bit more complicated than that. My my middle name is Patrick. Um, so I'm a I'm a Patty in the middle there. My grandmother was Irish. Um, she was an amazing lady, and she was 102 when she died. Um, and uh, my father was Patrick, so I got I inherited that name. So I've got two Scottish names either end and an Irish. And put them put them in the middle there. You know? So uh, I'm a little bit confused at times, but don't worry about that. Um, I have four daughters. So, so pray for me. <laughs> no, they're all they're all grown up now. They uh, um, well, they've almost all left home. Um, I've got five grandchildren. How many people? How many of you got grandkids? Yeah, just about everyone. Um, beautiful little creatures, aren't they? They're amazing. Um, I have uh, I have favourite. I know you're not supposed to have favourites. God doesn't have favourites, but uh, I do. I've got a favourite grandson. His name is Zander. Um, and he and I often go to the park together. And we sit on the swings and we just, we chat through the issues of life. He's quite bright for two years old. <laughs> and um, the other day I was bringing him back from the park and walking home and I got a whiff of the smell that I've smelt many times before. And uh, <laughs> So I picked him up and just to make sure, and sure enough, he had a little accident. So when I got back to my daughter's place, I did what any good grandparent would do, and I gave him straight back. <laughs> you see, my nappy changing days are over. Been there, done that, and I'll get a t-shirt. Hey, we live in a uh, we live in a rapidly changing world, don't we? You know, we've had, we've had uh, three years of, of COVID and the aftermath of COVID. We've got a senseless war going on at the moment in the Ukraine. Yeah. And believe you me, it is senseless. Yes. It's based on one man's ego. Yes. And that's really sad. Yes. It's really sad. Four months ago, we had an earthquake in Syria and Turkey. Would you remember that? 50,000 people lost their lives. We had, a, we had a cyclone in this country not so long ago. That devastated many families on the, especially down on the east coast. So there's a lot of change, a lot of things happening in our in our world today. But you know, one thing that I'm really glad about is that our God never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. He is 100% faithful to His word. Absolutely. Everything in here that hasn't happened, will happen. You can depend on that. Our God is still on the throne. And he always will be. Amen? Amen. So we take great solace in that. It doesn't matter what's happening around about us. We focus on the one who sits on the throne. Okay. How many here have heard of open doors? Put your hand up if you know who open doors are. Okay. I've got a few non-believers there, but I'll work on you <laughs> the next, uh, the next uh, little while. Basically, we are, first and foremost, a Christian charity, and our mandate is to serve the persecuted church. That's what we do. And we do that by partnering with local churches like yourself in raising awareness, like I'm doing this morning, financial support. Obviously, we're a Christian charity. 
and by a lot of prayer. Because sometimes being so far away from where everything is happening, that's all we can do. Open Doors' mission statement is to help people follow Jesus all over the world, no matter the cost. Now that is the key. A little bit of history. Open Doors began 68 years ago when a young Christian in Holland by the name of Brother Andrew. Anyone heard of Brother Andrew? Okay. A lot of people don't associate Brother Andrew with Open Doors, but he started it. He answered a call on on his life. God called him to smuggle Bibles into Eastern Europe. This was in 1955. Now, for those of us just about there who can remember back to 1955, Europe, Eastern Europe, most of the countries there were communists. They had no interest in God and they had no interest in the Bible. In fact, it was illegal to own a Bible in many of those countries. But Brother Andrew, um, a friend of his, gave him a blue Volkswagen. And over the next 10 years, he went backwards and forward from Holland into Eastern Europe, smuggling Bibles that were hidden in that car. And you know what? During that time, he never got caught. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. The reason he never got caught was that from the time that he left Holland to the time that he got back, there were people praying for him. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There was never a time when he was not being prayed for when he was away. He also wrote a book called God Smuggler. Anyone read that book? Put your hand up if you read God Smuggler. Yeah, I'm amazed every church I go to, I ask that question. There's always people that have read that book. That book sold 10 million copies, which for a Christian book is, is pretty good. Amen. So Open Door started with one man's obedience to the call of God in his life. Now, sadly, Brother Andrew passed away uh, last October at the ripe old age of 94. But what a legacy he's left behind. Today, Open Doors is represented in the 70 most dangerous countries in the world to be a Christian. What do we do? Good question. We help with practical needs, food, medicine, and shelter. We supply Bibles and other Christian literature. We train pastors and church leaders in those countries. We run discipleship courses. And we provide trauma therapy as well. We basically support the persecuted church as best we can. Now, what I love about Open Doors is the fact that we don't go into these countries all guns blazing and say, hey, we've got, you know, we've got the answers. Because to be honest with you, we haven't. We work with local teams on the ground in those countries who tell us where and what the needs are. Can we put the... Oh, we already got it up. Really? Well done, Fiona. Thank you. So every year, Open Doors produces what we call our World Watch List, which is a list of the 50 most dangerous countries in the world to be a Christian. Now, North Korea is number one. 
has been number one for 22 out of the last 23 years. But one country, I'll give you a clue, one country in the top 10 there made it to number one last year. Does anyone want to have a guess at what, uh, if you can read those countries on there? I'll call them out. Okay, so number one is North Korea, number two, Somalia, number three, Yemen, number four, Eritrea, number five, Libya, number six, Nigeria, number seven, Pakistan, number eight, Iran, number nine, Afghanistan, and number 10, Sudan. Does anyone? No? Afghanistan. Thank you. The Taliban went into Afghanistan in August 2021. They took control. Um, most of the believers in that country either got out or they were martyred. We estimate there are about 10,000 believers left in Afghanistan. And they know what will happen to them if they're caught. You don't get a second chance for the Taliban. You know what? There's so much that we can learn from the persecuted church. There really is. Their faith is both inspiring but challenging at the same time. So I want you to join me on a journey this morning as we discover why Jesus could say in the Beatitudes, blessed are the persecuted. Kind of doesn't make sense, does it? Blessed are the persecuted. We're going to have a look at that. Can I be totally honest with you this morning? Amen. Good, great. Yeah, most churches just look at me blankly and go, I'm not sure where you're going with this. But yeah, it's not a rhetorical question, so I'm glad you said yes. When I started working uh, with Open Doors, I, um, I knew very little. In fact, I knew practically nothing about the persecuted church. I'm, I'm just being honest here, guys. For me, and, and maybe for you, the persecuted church was out there, out of sight, if you like, and therefore out of mind. I didn't give it a lot of thought. Plus, I had no first-hand experience of being persecuted. As Robbie said this morning, we are free to come into this hall and worship the Lord together. We're free to pray for one another. We're free to share the gospel with our neighbours. We're free to invite our neighbours to church. You know, in fact, the closest I've come to persecution was being laughed at for trying to share the gospel with someone who didn't want to hear it, which hurt my pride, but, but that's about all. Maybe you've had a similar experience. But the more testimonies I read... And the more video clips I watched of persecuted Christians, the more I realized that the persecuted church is a lie. Not only is it a lie, it is growing rapidly. That realization really challenged my faith. Why are people becoming Christians in countries where they are persecuted more than countries like ours where we're free to share the gospel, free to meet in a church on a Sunday morning, 
free to invite our friends to church. Why is that? A little bit confusing, isn't it? The persecuted church is the fastest growing church in the world. Hmm? Always has been. Always has been, and probably always will be. Yeah. Today, one in seven Christians are being persecuted globally. One in seven. I'm a numbers numbers guy. I like numbers. If you want to put a number on that, it's about 300 million believers are suffering for their faith in Jesus Christ. For example, North Korea, number one on the hit parade. There are an estimated 300,000 believers in North Korea, right? Of those 300,000, 80,000 are in prison or concentration camps. Now, a concentration camp is somewhere where they concentrate on changing your mind, your belief system. Now, that's one in four. I wonder how keen we would have been to put our hand up for Jesus Christ if there was a 25% chance of us ending up in prison for a very long time. Might have put might have different perspective on it, isn't it? Here's a recent quote from a North Korean Christian. When three of us are meeting, one of us is a spy and will report to the government. Bring that into a Western context today. You have a life group or a connect group or whatever you call it. Um, you meet together midweek, and you know that someone in that group is going to dog you in. And yet you still run that group for the benefit of the other Christians that are there. So I've said all that to ask this question. Should persecution be a surprise to us? No. Absolutely not. Yeah, an emphatic no. Persecution is 100% biblical. It's the norm. There are stories of persecution running right through this book from Genesis to Revelation. In fact, the early church, you remember, they were in Jerusalem. They were getting comfortable. So what did God do? He sent a bit of persecution. And what did the Christians do? They left Jerusalem. And they went to the countries round about. And what did they do when they got there? They read the word. They preached the gospel. You know, Jesus himself said in John 15, he said, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. Not they might or they could, but they will. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And we know that Paul experienced persecution on all levels, didn't he? And was finally martyred. In Rome. But persecution is not 
just something that happened in biblical times way back then. The fact is, it is alive and kicking in our world today. So we're going to watch a short video now. Thanks, Fiona. Um, this is Helen's story, so I'm going to let her tell it. Can you read that? We can't read it. Yeah, okay, yeah, sure. Shall I take it back? Go back and I'll read it, yeah. Okay. So it says, Eritrea, Africa. The sixth most dangerous country to be a Christian. Following Jesus in Eritrea isn't illegal, but sharing the gospel is. Helen was arrested for singing worship songs on the steps of her church. A phone call from the persecuted church. Hi, it's Helen. I'm sick now. Who can preach the gospel? The answer is simple. Anyone who is not afraid to die. That should be continued for 32 months. In the heat of this day, the words would burn our skin. In the night, we shoot from the car. I remember the story of Paul and Silas. Like then, I began to sing. The guards tried to stop me, but I keep singing and keep preaching the good news to anyone who is. They tried everything. They tortured me with a tool meant to give Their goal was for me to deny my faith. Stop saying Jesus. All I could answer was, I can't but your prayers can be so. I will tell the other prisoners. If you are praying for us, I can hear it. The name of Jesus is medicine, and the world desperately need it. Our brothers and sisters are still in prison. When we eat, they are When we are living, they are chains. We can be born. Your sister in Christ, Ella.
you know, it puts us to shame, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I've seen that video many times and it never fails to move me. Um, just her, her testimony was, it was incredible. I um, just recently heard that I trained up. I trained up. Their country, I trained up. Yeah. I, I, um, I think it was the country I heard that the, the pastor brothers would be in the underground prison for 19 years. Yeah, yeah. But they're still bringing pieces of art. Yeah, right. So it's, it's, it's amazing. What Helen didn't tell you on the video was that she had an eight year old daughter when she was arrested. So she never saw her daughter for nearly three years, um, which for a mother would be uh, bad enough as a dad, but as a mother. Helen's story is a great, uh, a great lead-in for, for just two verses I want to share this morning, if I might. Um, this is from Matthew chapter 5. It's part of the Beatitudes, Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is speaking, verses 11 and 12. Got your Bibles here, you can follow along. And this is what he said, verse number 11. Blessed are you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of things about you because you are my followers. Verse 12. Be happy about that. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember... The ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. These are two powerful and challenging verses. How can we be blessed and happy in the midst of persecution? And with all due respect, I can't answer that question. But I know someone who can. So I'm going to ask Helen, who was in the container, that could not contain her, to help us understand. But firstly, let me define the word blessed here for you in the Beatitudes. It's important to understand what Jesus means when he says blessed. Jesus used the term blessed in the framework of the Beatitudes to describe the inequality of well-being and prosperity. A deep, joy-filled Contentment that cannot be shaken by poverty, grief, famine, persecution, war, or any other trial or tragedy we may face in life. I love that. A deep, joy-filled contentment, no matter what is going on around you. Often we think of blessing as being external. God bless me financially which he does. God bless me relationally with a good friend or a spouse. But what he's talking about here in the Beatitudes is an internal blessing. So, question. How did Helen survive 32 months imprisoned in a shipping container and being tortured on a regular basis? How did she come through that with her faith intact? Not only intact, but stronger for what she'd been through. What kept her going? What kept her singing her way to freedom? And the answer is she experienced 
the blessing. She experienced that deep, joy-filled contentment that couldn't be shaken no matter what was thrown at her. You remember during this time, she preached the gospel. There were 19 other people with her in that container. Can you imagine the conditions? She preached the gospel to them. She sang, she worshipped, she prayed, she persevered. She couldn't do that in her own strength. It had to come from a blessed assurance that's only available through a deep anchored faith in Jesus Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Helen is an inspiration to my faith, but she also challenges my faith. You know, there's a boldness to her faith, even in the midst of persecution, that I have yet to experience. I'm, I'm just, I'm being honest here today. I want to, but I haven't as yet. Now, don't get me wrong. I have no desire to be locked in a shipping container for 32 months or to be, or to be tortured. But you know what? I've often wondered what my response would be if something like that happened to me. Would my response be the same as Helen's? Would your response be the same as Helen's? You know, Jesus said, if you want to follow me, there's a cost involved. Have we counted the cost? I just want to share a final story, if I may, about a couple who did count the cost. Their names were Arab and Neela, and they're from India. Now, Arab, Arab had been part of an extremist group and he'd been put in prison for, for violent crimes. While in prison, you get a lot of time on your hands in prison, I guess, he began seeking God. And through a set of circumstances and people that he met in prison, someone shared the gospel with him and he was fertile soil and he was ready to receive the word. He became a Christian in prison and he became such a strong Christian that when he got out of prison, he went back to his local village and he started sharing the gospel. There's a novel idea. When he was a criminal, nobody would challenge him. But once they found out he was a Christian, the whole village turned against him. He was badly beaten, chased out of his house with his wife and four small children. And that's when Open Doors became involved. And we met with Arab, we sat down with him, and we said, why don't you leave this place? This was his reply. Brother, God has called me to this place. Even if I die, I will go and meet Jesus. And that is exactly what happened. In 2020, Arab was martyred 
and went to be with the Lord. A few days after I started uh, working with Open Doors, I received a gift and a card from our CEO in, in Sydney. I thought that was a, a nice touch, nice welcome to the team. In the card, he welcomed me to Open Doors, and then he wrote this. Ewan, hold loosely to the things of this world, but always hold tightly to Jesus. Amen. Now, I must admit, at the time, I thought that's a strange thing to write to a new employee. But you know what? The longer I work for open doors, the more sense it makes. And it made sense to Arab too. You see, Arab's priority was not wealth, prestige, or comfortable living. It was Jesus. Jesus was his number one priority. And he knew that his reward was not here on earth. It was in heaven with his Savior. And he wanted to take as many people with him as he possibly could, even if it cost him his life. That's what Jesus could say in Matthew chapter 5, verse 12. Be happy about persecution. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. But the story doesn't end there. Arab was killed by members of the extremist group that he used to belong to. Open Door's partners went to meet with Neela, his wife, and the children. Neela came in with her four small children. She was smiling. She wasn't looking at all afraid. Our partners asked her, do you want to go and live somewhere else? In other words, they were offering to relocate her and the children. This was her reply. I will continue the work that my husband and I started. If they want to kill me, they can come and kill me. I don't bother about being killed. I'm bothered about the souls that God has given us in this village. Kind of puts life in perspective, doesn't it? Puts faith in perspective as well. I don't bother about being killed. I'm bothered about the souls that God has given us in this village. I wonder what we're bothered about today. Are we like Neela and concerned about the souls in our community? Our neighbours who don't yet know Jesus Christ as Saviour. Arab and Neela are examples of Christians who didn't shrink back in the face of persecution. I don't know about you, but there's a boldness to their faith that I really experienced myself. I want to. I want that spirit of boldness that Arab and Neela 
And I guess the question is that I ask myself is, what am I going to do about that? Or maybe a better one is this. How much does Jesus really mean to me? Am I all in for him? Am I walking out my faith in such a way that it makes a tangible difference to the people in my world? Do the people in my world even know that I'm a Christian? Am I a soul winner like Nila? Is my faith eternally focused? My question that I ask myself quite often. Open Doors serves and supports believers like Neela and her family who are currently building the church in a hostile environment. Our mission is not to stop persecution. Persecution has always been here and it always will. But we can help and support and partner with Christians who live under persecution. We can't do everything, but we can all do something. So I have a little challenge here for you today. You up for a challenge? Yep. Amen. As I said at the beginning, Open Doors was founded on one man's obedience to the call of God to smuggle Bibles into Eastern Europe. And that's still a huge part of our ministry. Last year, we delivered 1.7 million Bibles to persecuted believers around the world. Um, At the moment, we are in the middle of what we call our Spread the Word Bible Appeal. And what, what we do there is we ask every Christian to give one Bible to a persecuted brother or sister. One. If we believe that the word of God is quick, alive, and powerful, and it has the ability to change lives, why wouldn't we want to give one to a brother and sister who don't yet have one? And the way that I look at it is the difference that that will make for that believer. But you know what that believer will do? They will share it with someone else. Amen. You can guarantee it. So your $20, because that's what it costs, four cups of coffee. In fact, I was working out the other day, it's only three and a half cups for me. Because I now take cream with my coffee. There you go, I've moved up in the world. Four cups of coffee will put a Bible into the hands of a brother and sister who don't yet have one in their own language. Praise God. Okay? So you may, hopefully on your seat, you, you would have found one of those. On the back, there's a there's a QR code. You can snap that with your camera. It will take you straight to the website, and you can give one or two. If God's laid ten Bibles on your heart, you, you donate whatever you think um, that God wants you to donate. But we're just asking for a minimum of one. Um, and who knows what difference that would make. I thought I was thinking about it the other day. Imagine if you're in heaven, right? 
and someone comes up to you, taps you on the shoulder and goes, hey, you, and thank you so much. And you go, what for? And they go, for that Bible that you gave me. Because I reckon up there we'll know things like that. We'll know things that we don't know down here. So that's the challenge. It's not a big challenge. It's one we can all manage, I think. And um, but it's it's one that could change someone's life for eternity. Amen. Amen. And finally, thank you for listening. I really appreciate being here this morning. Really appreciate the opportunity that Robin's given me um, up here. And hopefully, you now know a little bit more about Open Doors, about the kind of things that we do, and the people that we help, like Helen and Neela. And I'll just leave you with the words on the video from Helen. She said, the name of Jesus is medicine, and the world desperately needs it. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you that it is quick, alive, powerful, and it is able to transform lives. And we are living proof of that this morning, Father. We don't take that for granted. We thank you that you called us and chose us. You saved us and you sanctified us. And Lord, my prayer this morning is that we would not take for granted the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, but Lord, that we would share it. We'd share it with our neighbours, with our friends, with our family. And Lord, I pray this morning for a spirit of boldness to come upon each one of us this morning. Lord, Holy Spirit, that you would work as only you can work. Lord, as willing vessels, we surrender ourselves to you this morning and we ask that you would use us. Use us as vessels of righteousness, of goodness, of love to those around us that have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. I thank you for this church, Father. I pray your blessing upon it each one here and those that couldn't be here today as well Lord we pray for healing for their sickness those that are away traveling Lord we pray for traveling mercies and Lord we're in awe and we're in wonder of who you are and one day like Aram we will stand before the throne Lord and we will worship you for eternity in Jesus' mighty name, we give you thanks and praise and honor and glory here this morning. Amen. Praise God. What a beautiful